0: Today is May 13th, 2023. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki, Naganago, mekoche Chestokom, Aki, or Dakotes Nagotine Siku. Hi, my name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake Tribe in Treaty 11. My name is Dakotes Nagotine Siku. My people wore rabbit skin, so it's been referred to as the land of the Hare People. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Kincho Tine Indahay in Satu Dene, main, meaning many big dog town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot Mokinstis, as Michelle Elliott, an English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknives Dene. Through my father, I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution, while having a Canadian Indian Act-imposed status card, which is a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous peoples' inherent rights. Indigenous Two-Spirit, or the Indigenous 2SLGBTQ plus community, and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the Canadian socioeconomic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I just share what I know as I walk down my red journey. As a Dene woman who has attempted to run, joined harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions, which was really relevant considering I missed my granny's funeral, just to vote on incomplete policies that still allow for incarceration, and denial of justice, a denial of health services, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples, I have work to do, work to continue to advocate for reports to advocate for, and attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. I think of all of this today, and I hope that we honor the Many Indigenous lives that are lost for the so-called country named Canada so that you can identify as a proud Canadian. I hope that you see your role in the importance of stopping the continuing harm, and as a citizen, see your role in reconciliation and as a treaty partner. Pride Month should never be just one month, as it is important to understand the straight agenda and gender violence was and is forced on this land by Christian outsiders. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest, and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. It's important that land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage all to introduce themselves with an acknowledgement of their ancestors, stories of displacement, and how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee, or other land displacement, so we as Indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you don't know how to pronounce your local Indigenous nation's names, won't say your pronouns, won't say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, won't acknowledge imposed economic oppression or your role in reconciliation, I determine how safe you are to be around my family, my community, and myself. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101, because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties, and lies taught today in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers, and those who call themselves native Calgarians, or whatever town you're from, show me you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. Jente Winte's book, uh, Jesse Winte's book, sorry, Unreconciled explains this perfectly as do many other Indigenous authored books. Land Back is a movement that could save the planet from climate change created by colonialism. It would also be a part of a treaty partnership, part of meaningful reconciliation and honoring global initiatives like the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. And on a side note, um, Simon and I my guests is, are going to be talking about Palestinian rights and I don't know why I can't seem to get it through Canadians heads that the UN Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People is for Palestinian rights it's for Indigenous rights here in Canada it's for Indigenous rights in the U.S. it's for Colombians down south it's for Africans like it's for everyone so it, it, it's just a shame I can't seem to get that through with some folks anyway I honor the Blackfoot As the elders and members have been kind to me on my Red Road journey, Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot and Dene elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. Blackfoot South, the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Gainai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw chiefs and nations of the Stony Nations, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous our treaty partners, with the government signing on your behalf. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, love to hear from you at NativeYYC@gmail.com. Send in your comments or your questions. You can also give a review from whatever medium you are listening from. And you can go to my YouTube channel where you can watch our show, Uh, go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcast and pin posts on social media. So I want to welcome my friend and uh, an ally and comrade. Uh, We've been friends forever with Simon Jamal. So I want to thank my friend Saima for coming onto to Native Calgarian. Uh, we seen each other earlier today, and I was able to uh, give you a souvenir I got from Ottawa that meant the world to me because of the work that you had done. And uh, what really transpired was this conversation about uh, barriers. And I didn't get a chance to tell you, but while I was in Ottawa, there was a policy to force uh, voting, mandatory voting. And I said, I'm, I'm, I am I'm absolutely am against that. Uh, Calgary Forest Lawn has some of the lowest voter turnout in the nation. And um, the reason why is because I would rather work on barriers to reduce it. And if we did make it mandatory to have incentives rather than penalties. So and that, that was a real conversation that I had to have and everyone voted against the policy and it didn't go forward. So I was really happy about that. Um, But then you and I were talking and we were talking about some of the barriers that people face when um, going to vote. And this is really relevant because the Alberta election is happening. And we want to make sure that we get as many people as we can to vote. So I, I really wanted to, you know, get your thoughts on the different communities that you come from. If you maybe want to do in a little bit of an introduction to yourself, and then I'm going to elaborate because I know you're not going to brag as much as I want you to. So, and we'll go from there.
1: Thanks so much, Michelle, for having me today. Uh, my name is Saima Jamal. So I wear a lot of hats in the community. I do a lot of volunteering uh, through the Calgary Immigrant Support Society, myself and my volunteer partner, Sam Namura, we started this group, which kind of started this massive mobilization of the community to help newcomers, started off with all the refugees that came here from Syria in 2015-2016 and still continues to come and then it just, um, I guess, expanded to refugees, newcomers, anybody in the community that is struggling, that need a bit of a step up, that can't find that help from, I would say, established agencies um, uh, you know that are already operating. Then as a social safety net, they come to us, come to this group, and they ask for help. And that's when we show them that the rest of the community is also there to lift you up. If you can find help, make sure that you know that there is a last resort help to ask and we connect them to the rest of the community like you who's listening to this, who aren't really connected to any formal organization, but still can help them out with anything or everything. If it's just like to go out for a coffee with them or a meetup, or if you have some you know gently used furniture that you want to donate to if you wanna just do an informal English conversation with them so they have somebody to practice English with, any kind of help that you can give that is. Um, so yeah, that's one of the things that I do through my volunteer work. I'm also a community organizer, a social activist for many years, um, deal a lot with social injustices, human rights, um, peace and conflict resolution. Um, I volunteer a lot in the Muslim community too. Um, but as a my day job, I work as a um as a recruitment uh partner with Jumpstart Refugee Talent. This is a national organization that helps newly settled refugees connect with meaningful employment and we work nationally, but we're mostly concentrated in Toronto, um, Vancouver, Calgary, and Montreal. Mm. So yeah, that's just me and Jiffy. I think I covered everything, Michelle. (laughs) I think you did. Yeah, I just, I
0: really want to plug the fact that we connected because we've uh, talked about human rights and stood for social justice. And uh, for years, we were talking about Islamophobia. We're talking about the rise of uh, Islamophobia. We talked about Palestinian rights. There's so many. Uh, folks globally that have been impacted and uh, you know these issues matter to me because I see them as interconnected although I, I really like you know came to the realization that the other communities don't see us as interconnected so that's been um, really hard for me to want to continue to put effort towards their causes when they put zero towards mine and see that how the we're not interconnected when we actually are so I'm hoping maybe in my lifetime, our friendship kind of laying that groundwork for uh, the Muslim and Indigenous communities to see each other in in a better way. Now, you and I know we have a few different allies, but just that greater sense, but kind of back to the voting issue, um, some of the things that we talked about, and, uh, you know, I was really hurt when I ran, and I heard people say to me, oh, your Indigenous community didn't support you. And I thought, what do you know about the indigenous community and voting and uh, they were just so eager to tell me that i was a you know pos that that, that there was no room for conversation about that and uh, for a lot of indigenous people they don't see themselves as canadians some of them just see themselves as satudeni in my case sutina uh, nation siksica nation like they don't see why they would even vote in a Canadian election or an Alberta election. Um, Alberta never uh, created treaty with the Indigenous people and they've never honored it. And currently one of the um, folks who were, who's our premier actually, has been absolutely awful to Indigenous people, even claiming to be part Cherokee at one point in time when um, we really uh, have accurate records about who is, Cherokee and who isn't. So that lie is uh, something that's really pervasive out there. And that's one of many things I, I was telling you earlier about the World Canadian Legion, having to put out a statement to some of the premier's comments about wearing a poppy. And I, to me, that's like such a train wreck of a show. So for me, um, I've already done my special ballot. I went in person, got that done, went down to the NDP office and signed up to uh, scrutineer for the day of the election. And I hope to, you know, do whatever I can to get people to the vote. And now for a lot of folks who don't know the liberal party back in 2015, we talked about GOTV, get out the vote. And now I'm seeing the NDP provincially really using that terminology, which is great. Um, but what does that mean? And I think a lot of folks may not know. Um, and we've, we've had conversations about, uh, people not, not voting. So do you want to maybe talk a little more about that?
1: Um for sure, you know, Michelle, we can have like the most well-funded campaign, the most active campaign that's putting out signs, that's door knocking, that's fundraising like crazy, that's putting out amazing um communications, amazing social media strategy, but at the end it's all about how do you get that vote out? How do you get that person to leave their home, their work or whatever else they're doing and just taking that time to go out and vote, to put that ballot inside that box. And I can't tell you how difficult it is for a lot of people, especially when they come as newcomers, you know, when it is their first time to go out and vote. I was just sitting um, this week with a family that became Canadian citizens this last year. And this is going to be their first elections to vote there. Uh, they came as a refugee family from Syria. And as we were sipping and having some coffee, um, one of the things that I was talking to them is about well, during the whole dinner, I was talking to them about um, how exciting it is that we have an Alberta elections and that uh, I have a lot of concerns because, as, as Michelle mentioned, this current premier, Daniel Smith. Um, we have a lot of concern with them. And for me, the largest one is healthcare. You know, uh, she's made just comments, not just about uh, when she was not a premier. Um, it wasn't just off the cuff comments, but these were well thought of comments that she made while she was doing speaking tours. Um, she wrote about them articles and then just in on May 8th, her deputy premier spoke up on that. So this is while they're in government, they're talking about privatization of healthcare where the deputy premier was talking about. Uh, it will deter people, they'll make them think twice if they come to the emergency thinking they would have to pay uh, to see an emergency physician. I mean, that sort of thing is very, very dangerous to me that a person has to think twice that can I afford to go to an emergency or can I afford to pay my bills, my for, pay for my food and that sort of a thing. So that's why uh, this election is to me is all about um, saving our public health care. And uh, because I work with a lot of vulnerable population like refugees, I need them to understand too. like, you know, having to pay for health care in any way, form, it's going to be an additional burden for them a lot, you know, especially with inflation and everything like that. So I try to educate them as well as I can on the, the important issues so one of the things that they got excited about is after I talked to them, it was like, okay, if there is a good alternative, a party that, you know, is protecting public health care, is wanting to put a lot of efforts towards public education, like the NDP said, you know, go towards um opening new schools, 40 new schools, plus uh, fixing the old schools, um rehiring educational assistants, uh, making sure that our public health will stay public. So they got excited, but one thing they told me is like Saima we've never voted in this country before can you come with us to show us how to vote so that really threw me back you know something that we take so easily we take it for granted that we just take our driver's license and we go there and we just go through this whole motion of voting it's so easy for us you know it's just but for them you know, when you have a big family, number one, you sit and think, what do you do with the rest of the kids? Okay, if we go take all the kids, uh, doesn't fit in the car, we have to leave some behind. And then you've just learned English recently. Your English isn't that fluent to understand and you get shy when you make a mistake. So you feel very, um, you feel very hesitant to even, you know, go there and uh, nobody's really telling them where to go and vote. So they have to find out with school, how to get to that school, how do I maneuver myself and my family that are over 18 to go and give that vote. And then they're worried about where they're gonna tick. Can somebody there show me where to go and tick, where to fill the ballot box? These are things that we have to do ourselves, right? So when you are a newcomer, you just learned the language, you've never voted before, you know, These are things that really affect them. And this is not something that you can you can think, but this is a barrier. This is something that you got to talk with them, encourage them, tell them, make them familiar what the process is so they feel confident enough to show up to vote so they feel like, okay, I won't feel embarrassed when I'm there. That I, somebody won't just like laugh at me that, oh, I couldn't vote because I don't know how to fill a ballot paper or how to go, which way to go and do what, you know? So, yeah, mm-hmm. it is a huge barrier for them.
0: It really is. I, um, I brought up the uh, Elections Alberta website just because I thought it was really important for us to be really clear on a few different things here. So I think it's really important that people know um that this website exists, and it's a non-partisan way to help you just learn how to vote, not necessarily uh, you know, tell you who to vote for. I mean, you and I'll tell you who to vote for, but you know, for just for folks who are really overwhelmed. Um, you know, I believe in democracy, you believe in democracy, and this is uh just like the basics that we can do. And I had a look here, and you know what? I I don't see any um, translation in a different language. But Mm -hmm. I just wanted to encourage people that you could copy and paste sections, do a Google Translate and send it to your friends to encourage them to vote. So they have things like, where do I vote? Who are the candidates? Are you displaced by an emergency or a disaster? Uh, They do encourage you to register to vote, but I just want to make it very clear that you, as long as you have ID, you can go vote. Um, They do have different voting options that's on their website. Uh, They tell you the ID that you need to vote. Um, And then something I was telling you about was that I I already voted, that I did the special ballot. And um, so for a lot of folks that you don't know if you can make it out to the advanced uh, polls or the actual election day, you can go do a special ballot. Now, uh, reasons include physically disabled away from your uh, area that you're going to be at, uh, if you're an inmate, mm-hmm. uh, if you're going to be an election officer, a candidate, an official agent, or a scrutineer. So that's what I chose. Uh, if you live in a remote area, um, or if you are displaced by an emergency or disaster, you can do that. Now, I just want to make it super clear, you can vote. It doesn't matter. You, if you are here and you're a Canadian, you can vote. You just have to bring your id you have the right to be able to uh, ask for a special ballot and be given that special ballot and uh, they do have a mailing option but i think at this point uh you know it, we'd like to you to go in person if you're choosing uh to do the special ballot so uh, those were things that i thought were really important for people to know uh, they have a section on where to vote so like you were saying a lot of people don't know first and foremost. If you can contact either party and and figure out where it is that you need to go but um finding voting locations it's right on this website as well and then uh the advanced ones as well you can find out where to go so they have all of this information available for folks and i really want to encourage uh folks to help their neighbors their friends their family and the the lastly i want to say this is that you know if you truly believe in a candidate almost every single one of them will get you to the polls. So like, I really believe in Rosma and Valencia. So as part of his team, if somebody said, hey, can I get a ride? The party itself has a whole infrastructure on, yep, click here and we will get you a ride. Um, you know, that, that is there. Uh, I like to tell the party in advance that I had voted for them so that they know they don't have to waste energy coming to my door, calling me up, asking me if I voted because it's already done now I get to be that person as a scrutineer doing it and frankly had Alberta elections not been so nitpicky about why it is I wanted that special ballot I may not have said scrutineer and I may have chosen not to scrutineer but because they were you know, like it, it bothers me because for a lot of new immigrants uh, a lot of newcomers a lot of new Canadians that are trying to vote for the first time that might be enough for them to not vote period they're like ah oh, we tried but they really wanted a reason and I, I i didn't know how to articulate it and and that's so wrong it just just upsets me and i i mentioned it to a friend of mine and he said he experienced the same thing in a different riding where they seem to be very nitpicky about the reason and in his case he was literally a part of a party and um and I, that really bothered me that, uh, us saying, yeah, we're going to be busy on E-Day and the advanced polls isn't enough that I have to identify as a scrutineer. So that really bothered me. And it bothers me that party staff and that really have to identify as a scrutineer when they should just say I'm affiliated with a party. <laughs> so, um, So I just I bring all of this up because I really want to encourage people to vote. If you think you might get sick, if you have a flight, anything that might cause a delay because we have a, a possible strike coming up. You know get your vote in now so that that vote counts that vote matters like in the case of some family that who might be you know experiencing physical disability that's good enough to go get a special ballot get it done go to your um election office so you can go right on the website and go there what what would you like to add to that uh saima
1: i think that was a very good reminder uh michelle you just said like you know there's so many things that happens last moment that we don't think about so many emergencies that come up, or you just get tied up at work, or some days you just don't want to get out, you know, and it could be that Monday, the day of voting on May 29th. And that's why having a strategy ahead of time to vote in advance, whether it is in the advanced polls, or as as uh, Michelle mentioned, how she voted in the special ballots, because she has to scrutineer on that day. Um, That's something we have to talk to the public about. Mm -hmm. we have to talk to newcomers about that we got to talk to all canadians all albertans about that right now and um also one thing that we often don't really um pay attention to is like you know candidates are right now door knocking they have been door knocking for a long time a massive amount of people that kind of get excluded or feel excluded out of it is permanent Mm residents these are our future voters you know a lot of times When people knock at their doors and they find out that they can't vote, they don't even want to engage in a conversation with them. Because usually the questions are, who are you looking to vote? And that's not a good question to ask a permanent resident, especially, you know, now that, you know, Canada has taken so many Syrians, so many Afghans, so many Ukrainians, just in the Ukrainians themselves. I mean, they have been issued like a million Visa. A million Ukrainians have applied. Six hundred have, six hundred thousand have been issued a visa to come to Canada. Mm-hmm. Two hundred thousand have already applied. So mm-hmm. you are knocking at their doors too. You know, try to engage those new voters instead of asking questions like, "Who are you going to vote?" Talk to them about what are the issues that is facing you. You know, that's so important to hear from them mm-hmm. and it'll educate you, your volunteers, if you're your, your candidate, if you're a candidate and, and your volunteers and it'll give them making them feel like they're part of the political system, too. It'll encourage them to think about what parties to vote for in future and it'll and it'll, it'll create um a good relationship with future voters. So that's so important to do. And um, you know, the responsibility of just going out there to vote, you know. One thing that I have to also tell you sometimes, we feel so lazy or we feel very overconfident that um, the candidate that we're supporting that, oh, this person is definitely gonna win, you know, it's okay. even if I don't show up, you know, my family, my friends, everybody's supporting them, you start living in a bubble. You don't realize that sometimes you you just you if you don't vote or others might be thinking the same, too. Yep. And then this great candidate that you have been supporting, they missed out on the opportunity to vote. So it has happened in the past. It has happened in the campaigns that I was working at in the past yep. and in the area that we thought we were going to have the greatest number of votes. It turned out that was the area that had the least number of voters that came out to vote for this candidate, yep. and it was a huge shocker. But it was a massive learning lesson that you know, getting out the vote is one of the most important things. Doesn't matter how cozy and overconfident you feel about your support. Yep,
0: no, it's true, and uh, I think a lot of folks need that reminder that you know, if you think this this election especially. Like most of the polls are saying 50-50. Now I don't put all my um, hopes and dreams into polls because you never, um, you can't, you can't bank on the polls and you can't bank on social media to be a reason that people will go do it. Like you have to physically get in a car. You have right. to physically go for a walk. You have to physically go to that place. So if you're not making a plan, which is really what we're talking about here is your your plan to vote, your strategy to vote. Um, you know, we need people to go out and vote. And if you especially, are struggling-
1: Especially Michelle, like yep. people who are part of the- the diversity and inclusion group, you know, part of visible minorities, indigenous, black, LGBTQ, um, you yeah. know, all these groups, disabled, you know, all these people, we need to really focus on getting them out to vote. Because yeah. you know who always goes out to vote? It's these older white people. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are always there voting, you know, yeah. and they tend to vote for a certain party, especially in Alberta, who can, you know, just... I don't know if they realize it that uh, that party doesn't always care about their benefits and things like that it's the ucp i'm talking about but then they're always out there because that's what they've voted all their lives you know and they don't see a lot of times the what's happening now and that they really need to you know um think about getting another party a chance that'll actually benefit their own seniors benefit so that's why we need to get the younger people encouraged to vote. We need to show why Gen X should be going out and voting right now. You know, how can we encourage these young voters, you know, that are still in high school that turned 18? Um we need to encourage how all these new immigrants that just became citizens, how to get them out to vote. And these are the demographics that we really need to focus on. I tell I tell all these, you know, um, eighteen year olds that became eighteen that when you start working now, um, you're gonna get paid fifteen dollars an hour, you know, and that's something that the UCP was hugely, the conservatives were hugely against. They did not want you to have a minimum wage of fifteen dollars an hour. But now you're able to get a decent wage, even though in this inflation, even that isn't enough. Mm-hmm. So but remember that and, and remember who's there for you and advocating for you and advocating for getting a proper wage for your work. So these are things that you need to remind youngsters, you need to remind uh, everyone.
0: Yeah, I'm going to uh, pop in and say that for a lot of folks in our area, they actually work like two adults will be working four jobs in order to make ends meet. And so it's really hard when, yeah, you're given some time to go vote when you're already struggling between getting your kids, getting your elderly, uh, you know, where they need to be trying to get from one job to another to make time to vote. Mm -hmm. So, but here's the thing, if we don't do that, then, you know, all of the work, like you're, you're just going to be needing a third job and barely are able to do that so when it says you know physically disabled like i would argue our entire area has racial battle fatigue therefore has a disability of exhaustion <laughs> so you know i really think about the importance of a special ballot but also but after may long weekend so um victoria day uh may long weekend uh, the special or the um advance polls start on tuesday may 23rd And then they end Saturday, May 27th. So, you know, you have some options there, some flexibility just to try to fit it in your schedule. Because if you're like me, my schedule dictates where I go and what I'm doing. And sometimes I don't remember what's happening a day or two in advance. So the sooner you can get that in your calendar, make it done, let the party know that you voted, the sooner, you know, this is all about, we all have finite energy, (laughs) all of us. All the voters all the workers all the um folks in the parties all of the volunteers for the parties you know we we all have limited energy and we want to utilize that energy in the best way we can so i'm really glad you came on today to talk about uh, the importance of voting and some of the barriers and then hopefully to our you know folks who are listening who are like whoa simon michelle finally did a podcast together Maybe they come from a place of privilege that they can go, you know, maybe I can pick up the phone and do some scrutineering and help help a party because Simon and Michelle are busy trying to call mom and dad and trying to rally up these troops and trying to get people to go. So please, if you have any type of privilege whatsoever, please don't make BIPOC do all of this work. Help us out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's a good one, Michelle. <laughs> yes, we, we really need every hands on deck right now to get the vote out, guys. If you are free to give somebody a ride, if you are free to just make some phone calls amongst your you know, your your contact list, just tell them you know what advanced polls you can go and vote the week before may 29th, the entire week you can go and vote um if you need a ride on may 29th you know i'm here or if, if we can contact the parties and they can help you to go and vote so these are things you can do just sitting at home you know
0: yes yeah yes so help Thanks your so friends much, michelle <laughs> right solidarity yes. always Saima
1: <laughs> always always thanks so much Michelle for having me <laughs>
0: I'm really honored that you came on thanks so much Saima and okay. just know we're always in solidarity and thank you for the wonderful treats from the Syrian moms who made those for Eid they're so yummy and thank and you for it the didn't book
1: go, it di- I didn't give that for free she brought me uh <laughs> piece by chocolate by Tariq Haddad you know from the liberal convention and it was amazing I'm gonna try it this weekend and let's see so So it was a good exchange of gifts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, and, you know, for folks who don't know, um, I, I was lucky enough to witness as a liberal, you know, getting elected, watching the Syrians come here, watching Saima and her friend Sam and a, a whole team of volunteers work so hard to try to welcome the syrians here you know it, it just when i uh, peace by chocolate is such a beautiful canadian syrian story that um you know when i seen those chocolate bars i was like i need to give two for two people in my life i know really well so that obviously i had to buy them for you and then it had the logo that we had for this particular convention right on it so you know it was just kind of fun because you've uh, you've always tried to to, you know, focus on human rights like I have and, um, you know, solidarity always. And I know, did you want to mention at all tomorrow's Palestinian uh, event?
1: Sure. Um, If you guys are free, um, tomorrow is the 77th anniversary of the Nagba, which is like a a pretty sad day. This is the day where Palestine stopped... um, what should I say? Uh, the invasion happened of, and the formation of Israel happened and the destruction of Palestine started. So it's a day that gets commemorated every year. And tomorrow at the Community Wise Center, the Justice for Palestinians is hosting an event. Uh, it's from it's the entire afternoon. It's a very family-free event of food, uh, poetry, music, some movies, and some speeches. We hope you can come and attend. If you just go to Justice for Palestinians Facebook page, you can get all the information from there. It's a free mm-hmm. event.
0: Yeah, and then mark it in your calendar for the yearly reminder to go because, um, you know, yes. there are certain yearly anniversaries that matter. And uh, for me, I've, I've tried really hard to show people that Indigenous people globally are usually the ones at the end of a, of a bayonet or a bullet for you know colonialism and the western world and it's not okay it's not okay that we eliminate indigenous people globally for this imposed western economic uh, world that we have now so you know I just want to thank you so much for being on my show and uh, yeah I hope to I hope to welcome you back
1: Yes, Michelle, I'm looking forward to coming back. I'm glad we finally did this today. (laughs) Take care, everyone. Goodbye for now. Okay. Bye. Bye, Michelle.
0: How wonderful was it to finally have Simon Jamal on? I'm so grateful she came. So for folks who are interested in uh, learning more about Indigenous issues, obviously, I hope that you are watching some of the book club that we have been posting and continue to post. The next one is Five Little Indians, and it's a... It's a hard book about um, post-Indian residential school and the post-traumatic stress disorder that a lot of people have from attending those schools through the uh, voices of five different individuals. So I hope you'll join the book club for that book and maybe future book clubs as well. Uh, We just wrapped the 231 Calls to Justice, which I am excited that people found them to be quite uh, straightforward and uh, disappointing that more people haven't read them and implemented them after giving them context as well through the different chapters that we've been reading. So if you want to join my book club, just let me know it's through zoom. So if you're in Edmonton, of course you can uh, join it at any point in time. Uh, We're going to be doing pages 219 to 349 of the final report in July and August 14th, we're going to do our our Voice of Fire by Brandy Morin. And then September 11th, we'll be doing the Pathways to Justice from the Government of Alberta. The 113 Pathways to Justice that the Alberta Joint Working Group on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls have as an open source document. October, we're doing Cree lawyer Harold Johnson's book, Peace and Good Order, The Case for Indigenous Justice. In November, we're doing a report to guide the implementation of a national action plan on violence against women and gender-based violence. And then December 11th, Making Space for Indigenous Feminism, edited by Joyce Green. So, and if you are interested in doing more local actions, absolutely join the reconciliation action group if you are in calgary and if you are not in calgary go to your local committee that's happening there are reconciliation committees everywhere and i really encourage people who care about their partner relationship in treaty with with, uh, other indigenous survivors of indian residential school and child apprehension policies that you help and be a good ally do act (laughs) Action is the only thing that matters at this point, so I hope, I wish more people were doing more and not expecting Indigenous to be doing all of it, and ironically, the Indigenous solutions help everybody, whether it's climate change, (laughs) gendered violence, uh, anti-racism, but, you know, for whatever, well, the anti-Indigenous bias that people have prevent them from seeing the solutions to their issues in our reports, unfortunately. Anyway, I'm proud that this podcast has given solutions and included cultural safety training or cultural first aid in all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous, people of colour, those with disabilities, and to us LGBTQ to speak. Uh, thank you to Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia, Alicia Fridkin of heretohelp.bc.ca and what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it. Their work are cultural action tools, so please support Indigenous work like that as part of your reconciliation work and settler understandings. I'm just lucky enough to highlight and repeat it here. Internalized racism and lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized people face by the structure of (laughs) racism imposed on these lands. RacialEquityTools.org is actually looking for donations, so if you have uh, an opportunity to donate, please do. They have wonderful resource files and a great piece about what is internalized racism by Donna Bevins. Um, so if you are learning from Black and Indigenous and QT BIPOC, pay us! You know, I, uh, I am always shocked at how little people expect for payment, but how much information they think they can extract from us. And uh, usually that uh, there's not a lack of understanding of the racial battle fatigue it is. So if you can financially support Donna Bevins as part of your, you know, rather than just saying hashtag Black Lives Matter, why don't you just actually give money to Black Lives that do matter? Um Anyway, Do's and Don'ts for Bystander Intervention by American Friends Service Committee. So if you go to AFSC.org, there's lots of resources and Do's and Don'ts for Bystander Intervention. Um, For anyone who follows me on social media, I wish you would watch the anti-racism organizational lead of the city of Calgary uh, giving an internal committee presentation on the journey of becoming an anti-racism leader. You know, this is basically what we're talking about, is that you either see the world with a white supremacist lens, or you don't. And I'm trying to give you an Indigenous lens that tries to include a bigger, broader picture of everybody. Indigenous people have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas and reports, commissions, and public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded, no more honor our words honor the treaties see yourself as a treaty partner because that's what you are you cannot be here without those treaties so this whole conversation that people are having about Alberta sovereignty it shows an absolute ignorance by people who support that listen to politicians and their policies and platforms if they don't recognize I'm gonna you know for folks who've never listened to my show I have been saying this for years this these talking points and because we're you know two weeks from an actual election there is absolutely nothing the ucp has done ever for marginalized people like i just cannot not see a single thing all they have done is created more pain more barriers and more deaths the safe consumption sites the drug crisis issues the, the you know um increasing money to well it's not even them Uh, for folks who don't know the ucp have done nothing but cuts to the police they've been talking about having the rcmp out of the uh, province which in a way i kind of support but they just they want their own police so that they can cover up their own crimes and i just can't understand how anyone could possibly put up a blue sign right now so anyway honor our words honor the treaties listen to politicians and their policies and platforms If they don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with Gender Equity Plus, if they're cutting violence prevention programs and services, indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay-straight alliances, a lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Now, Simon and I talked extensively about how the UCP are attacking our healthcare. Like, think of all of the people who are facing barriers to voting, who could never possibly afford this ridiculous scheme that they're, they're obviously getting from, you know, the companies that uh, fund these types of insurances. And the rest of us are just going to be here to suffer. And unfortunately, because the so-called progressives, and I think you all have listened to enough of my podcasts to know that uh, the so-called progressives are anything but progressive here. They have a strong anti-Indigenous lens. They don't even see themselves as treaty partners, so they don't respect the treaty. And the treaty is very specific that as Indigenous people, we will be given health care. So it's bad enough that, you know, the province of Alberta and Saskatchewan were just imposed without any negotiation with treaty partnership, multiple laws that have done nothing but oppress Indigenous people, and now they want to privatize health care. So now they're breaking yet another treaty promise. So I just wish that folks understood what the gravity of that means. And um, most people don't know, there used to be something called Indian hospitals here, segregated hospitals, where they butchered us, sterilized us, killed us, and um, all done in the name of science. So that's of course why indigenous people don't trust the medical community. And um, experiments done on us so that white people can be able to have good healthcare. And that's not okay. And we don't want to go back to that. And I feel like that's, that's where we're heading. But nobody wants to talk about that because the so-called progressives had that have Indigenous candidates they're not going to be talking like this. They can't be honest. I, I'm not mad at them in any capacity. If they were honest with the party that we have shown through this podcast is incredibly racist, if they were honest, they would not be able to continue going. So I know what they're doing, what all QT BIPOC do, we just shut up, nod, smile and go, yeah, yes, master, yes, master. And then we follow whatever stupid white supremacist colonial lead we have to in order to get into a position of power. And then at that point, hopefully make some substantial changes that help everybody, because we're not looking for special rights, we're looking for equity. And anyone who tells you different is lying to you. So anyway, (sighs) demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendation of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports on child welfare reform, violence prevention, now 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls and Two-Spirit. Provincially in Alberta, the Kenny government created 113 pathways to justice. So all the blue voters should be holding their uh, MLA MLAs to account on that. But right now, the premier is trying to keep her mouth shut and all the door knockers for the blue are being like, well, try to vote for the candidate, not for the leader. I promise we're going to get rid of her right away. Well, that's not how this democracy in the Westminster way works. So anyway, know who you're voting for. Municipally, we have the white goose flying report. Denying these reports is a form of abuse ca- called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the governance, educational, health institutions, justice institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from the election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties and local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs, etc. Google articles on how non-Indigenous Canadians become allies. Stephanie Harp and I had an emergency podcast in the hopes that we could reach allies to write and do more on the crises we are facing. So you can actually sign up at uh, aboriginalalert.ca. And that gives you an idea of the missing people that are in the area and nationally as well. Uh, She also promoted the Missing Children's Society of Canada. They also have an app that you can download. um, I'm promoting. Uh, The statement, demand for urgent action to protect the lives of Indigenous women, girls, two-spirit, and gender-diverse people experiencing homelessness, which you can find at womenshomelessness.ca. This government's failure to properly respond to the crisis of uh, drug crisis is costing so many lives. So if you're experiencing any um, uh, addiction in your life, Know that you should not ever use a loan. And if you are using a loan, you can make a plan. You can go to the National Overdose Response Service at 188 688 NORS for support. There's also a Brave Indoors app. Uh, you can, if you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talked about and you're Indigenous, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It is toll-free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also go to hopeforwellness.ca. They actually have a little text box too. For missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls in Two-Spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. And for non-Indigenous, there are distress centre lines in your areas, usually a functioning 211, or you can call 833 833- 456 4566. They also have a text option of 45-64-5. So 45645. Or you can go to crisis services Canada.ca. 60 Scoop Indigenous Society of Alberta can be found at SSISA.ca. The Indian Residential School Survivor and Family Hotline is 866 866- 925 forty-four six forty-four 1919 and the Kids Help Phone 1-800-668-6868 and the Native Youth Crisis Hotline at 877-209-1266. The following are 2SLGBTQ plus community supports that are available in most areas across Canada. So if you want to go to their website, you can go to lifevoice.ca and see tons of crisis supports. The Trans Lifeline is 877-330-6366 and the Trevor Project for LGBTQ2 youth 866-844-7386. Another great organization that you can send your funds to. Uh, violence is my everyday reality every indigenous generation has faced it it is self-care how I take my power back this is why I started the podcast to speak freely without interruption without tone police without leadership shaming without gaslighting questions as many people don't want to hear indigenous opinions but sure want to tell us theirs even if they know nothing about us nothing about colonialism the constant surveillance of our people our protests our vigil our rights I and many others share info on microaggressions daily, so it is unacceptable to say them anymore. Learn about being trauma-informed. People like me are dealing with internalized racism and gatekeepers and folks that survive off the status quo. People who are really in trauma and, you know, that stops a lot of us from doing the work and depletes personal resources. Internal and external racism it's an everyday reality for me, indigenous people, folks with disabilities, QT, BIPOC and others. So for folks who didn't know, um, I've been going through a lot in a short period of time. My grandfather passed and then two weeks later, my granny passed and um, my daughter went to Yellowknife while I went to Ottawa. And we ended up getting a new four-legged guy named Hugo and he just came up to say hi to me. And um it's been a lot all at once and it's been really hard so if I'm not responding the way you think I should or I blocked you on social media maybe think about what I'm under for a moment before assuming bad things about people it is shocking I um I allowed the city of Calgary I allowed the Calgary police and the liberal party to do background checks on me and what resulted in that. And maybe it was rebel news. I don't know. Some, some conservative think tank It resulted in my harasser coming back at me. So I had to lock a lot of my accounts. So while a lot of you feel safety, I don't. And while you get to live a life of privilege, I get a life of loss and it sucks. Everybody loses their grandparents. Don't get me wrong. But um, of course, I know my granny would have wanted me to miss her funeral to advocate for justice rights. And that's what I did. Um, It was a policy that we put forward as the indigenous people's commission. It took a whole team to write that. And, um, and it's to honor, of course, our, our ancestors our the folks who are still living, who are Indian residential school survivors who've been asking for this, the families of missing and murdered indigenous people. These are the people we're advocating for. So, if you've had to miss your granny's funeral advocating for, you know, basic human rights, then maybe you understand what I'm talking about. But racial battle fatigue is a real thing. So Masi Cho to my ancestors, to my granny and my mom, of what strength looks like through their example on this Mother's Day weekend. (sighs) I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. My stepmom for showing me, a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian is through her. I'm a second generation proud Calgarian. Thank you, big Buffalo rock man for being the editor and the producer of this show and my encouragement for decades now. Um, He's been my husband, childhood friend, father of our child, and my support down this journey of the Red Road, witnessing decades of racism and sexism. And to our child, Thunderpipe Necklace Woman. We are so blessed to learn from you and we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. I hope my family will be proud in the future of trying to discuss these present day issues in a way that they can understand down the road. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you previous donors for showing your support if you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at YYC at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. I also have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. You can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. And uh, for folks who, you know, honored my birthday wish, to go to Ottawa on May 4th, I just want to say thank you. Uh, that was a huge decision as to why it is I chose to go to Ottawa. I also wanted to honour the donations that came in to get me to go there. And um, yeah, and that's what I'm working to pay back now is, is the difference between them both. So thank you to everyone. Um, I ran for the Indigenous Peoples Commission Operations Chair, and yeah, I've, I was acclaimed, And it was a a wonderful convention. I'll do another podcast on that another day if that's what people want. Anyway, I want to end by giving side-eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradition. And my beautiful cousin responded, or yet be in my dish. Thank you folks for listening.